Those beautiful notes of music mean that it's time for another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast from Woodward Financial Advisors. I am Ben Birkin, Certified Financial Planner at Woodward Financial Advisors, joined by two first-time podcast guests. I'm joined today by Austin Brown and Megan McManus at Woodward Financial Advisors. I'll give them a chance to introduce themselves right now. Austin, Megan, welcome to the podcast. Talk about how great it is to be here. I'm delighted to be here, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having us. First time podcast. Uh, absolutely. It's hard not to have you seeing as how we all work together. So, <laughs> you know, it would feel a little awkward for me to say, no, you're never allowed to be on the podcast. That's from our entire firm and that we all share. And so uh, I'm happy to have you and thank you for being here. This episode is going to be a continuation of the one from last time. So episode 11, this is going to be another book club. So we've asked Austin and Megan to select some books that we thought would be good reading material as we go into the holiday season here. Uh, We'll get started with Austin in just a minute, but before we do, standard disclaimer, remember this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only, as well as maybe a little bit of entertainment if we feel saucy. Um, But anything that we talk about should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. If you have questions about any of those things, please make sure you contact the appropriate professional. And so with that out of the way, Austin, introduce yourself to the wide and vast universe of the Your Money in 20. All right. All right. Hey, I am Austin Brown. I am a senior financial planner at Woodward. I'm coming up on uh, eight years with with the firm, working with Ben and Jim and and the group here. And uh, I haven't always been a a senior planner. I've had a variety of roles here, but uh, for the last probably year and a couple of months, I've been working in that financial, uh, excuse me, that senior financial uh, planner role. Um, And what that involves is I help work with Jim and Ben as the the main advisors to develop the strategies for a different, for the various clients and their situations, and then uh, work closely in collaboration with the financial planning associates to um, put together the meeting materials uh, and implement those strategies. So Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. What book did you bring to the book club? I brought Nick Murray's Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth, Fifth Edition, uh, which is a is a, a pretty short book as far as, as that goes. And it's definitely written more geared towards a, uh, a, a lay audience, which is uh, which I think uh, can have a, a, a good impact and benefit for folks who are uh who either have been investing for a long time or for uh, who've been doing it themselves or for folks who are just now starting out. So, um, Wonderful. yeah. yeah. So Nick Murray, pretty well known in the financial planning, financial advisory circle. What's a little bit about his background for folks? Yeah. So he's been in financial services for about, I think, 50 years um, in, in a variety of capacities. I think his career, when he started out, he, was actually doing um, financial advising, client-facing financial advising. And then over the course of his years, uh, he's sort of uh, graduated into being an accomplished author of 12, 13 books on, on the topic, as well as he publishes a newsletter that, uh, that's geared towards financial planners and advisors. So he's definitely, and he's, you know, he's a, he speaks at conferences and things like that. Very prolific writer for sure. How did yeah. how did you first hear about Simple Wealth Inevitable Wealth? 
I actually, I heard about it when I, uh, here at the firm, it was one of the books that we keep in our, our library for, for not only for the consumption of us, but also as resources that we sometimes give to, to clients or prospective clients who are, uh, maybe having questions or, or things that they hear it from us, but also it's another, another source of, of information for people. Wonderful. So Austin, I'm going to wave my magic wand and I just took away your CFP and I made you Nick Murray's literary agent. Sell the book to people. What's going to be the broad summary, main takeaways? Why should folks read this book? And I I promise I'll give you your CFP back when you're done. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, I think the, the big takeaways are that equities through via, uh, which are stocks through Low cost or our mutual funds or exchange traded funds are the the way that Mr. Murray sees for actually building wealth. And uh, investing doesn't have to be complicated, but don't mistake uncomplicated for it being easy. Um, he kind of lays out in the book uh, ways of what you need to do to build wealth for the long haul. Uh, but he also is points out the caveats that our investor behavior, meaning how we behave, is tends to be the big tripping point for most most every investor. Uh, and that and our behavior, not security selection, uh, what you're invested in plays the biggest role in our investment failures and, and or successes. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's. I, I like the book from the perspective of it, it hits on a lot of the things uh, in a very succinct way with good examples of things that we we talk to our clients about. And we have to continue to remind some clients about about the things. But that's but that's part of the role of what the advisor is. And, and I think that's another thing that that he does in the book, too, is he sets up. um he, he discusses how you can do some of these or, or a lot of it on your own, but he does plug the benefits and the value that an advisor can bring to your relationship and your, your investing that uh, if you have the, I guess, the intestinal fortitude or the guts to do it on your own and you can stick with a plan, you know, maybe you don't necessarily need us, but uh, he gives good examples throughout where, an advisor actually really benefits the benefits the clients that, that they work with. I know that whenever I've read Nick Murray's stuff, one of the things that's always been attractive to me is his combination of data and math. So it's not just an English literature book, but it's not so heavy on that that it's off-putting, as well as his introduction and emphasis on just the behavioral component of investing in specifics, but finances in general. Did you get that same uh, sort of vibe? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, and that was one of the p- appealing things to it. I mean, he gave, he gave really good examples of, of real life things backed up with some information, but not so heavy handed that you get lost in the weeds, you know, and I'll give you a quick example. You know, he, t- in the, there's a section in there on, on our behavior as investors and he 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 quotes Richard Thaler, who is a, a world-renowned economist at the University of Chicago, and he talks about how losses feel twice twice as bad as the, the 
uh, any gain that you might might receive and sort of and that's not only in, in money it's in other things and it's about risk and you know framing framing some of that behavior around some of those behavioral principles that that we might not even be conscious of just because there are things that are hardwired into us as humans and how we've evolved as a species and gotten to where we are today is because we there's a certain risk reward mechanism that oftentimes people may not be conscious of, but it just, it influences their behavior in life and, and it trickles over to investing. So, yeah, I think he, he does a really good job of providing those examples. Wonderful. Any sort of quibbles or criticisms? Uh, I think the main criticism is he is not a fan of bonds at all. Uh, and he says, in fact, he says that those are, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but those are not, um, the, they're not drivers of wealth at all. And in fact, uh, I think he shuns them a little bit, which I think as a practicing planner, it's good in theory. It's a harder sell when uh, you're talking to people because even with the help of an advisor, sometimes, well, most clients, at least in my experience, they a hundred percent equity portfolio uh, is is too bumpy of a ride for a lot of folks. So I think that would be my biggest criticism is that while he lays those things out, sometimes the reality of what he's subscribing to or, or, or prescribing doesn't always match what would really happen. Um, but I do agree with the, the principle that the equities are the driver of a portfolio, it, it, the wealth generation of a portfolio, and bonds are there more as a, a, a ballast and a, a buffer to help smooth out that ride. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. Now, having said that, for folks who go out and read it, you will come out of reading this book about as excited about investing in stocks as you've ever been. I know every time I read a piece by him, I sort of it's hard not to put on your cheerleader uniform. But, um, I mean, he, that's how good of a writer he is, I think. Yeah. Anything else that you want to leave folks with before we switch on to the second book of the book club? I, I think, to summarize it, I think his main takeaways are own stocks via mutual funds or ETFs. That's going to drive wealth. Bonds are not a driver of wealth. And that your behavior as an investor is the single most important variable in whether or not you succeed or fail in reaching your financial goals. Fantastic. Thank you, Austin. Appreciate you sharing that. Megan, we're going to switch over to you. You picked a classic. You picked an absolute classic. So like this goes in the, the Turner Classic Movies section of the book club, but you picked The Millionaire Next Door. So as we go into that, before we do that, tell folks a little bit about you and then maybe jump into what pulled, what pulled, what about this book pulled you in, made you want to talk about it? Great. Thanks, Ben. Um, so as he said earlier, I'm Megan McManus. I'm a financial planning associate at Woodward, and I've been here coming up on one year, um, a little less than that. And my role is to assist the senior financial planner and the lead advisors in preparing for client meetings and follow up. Um, I also get to meet with clients and help answer a lot of their questions. Um, so as Ben said, my book is The Millionaire Next Door, and it's written by Thomas J. Stanley and William D. Dinko. And this book um, was actually my first job out of college, was also a financial planning position, and my boss introduced me to this book. 
Um, so it was something that he loved to share with clients and um, his new hires. And it's just a really interesting book because I think it puts a whole new perspective on, I guess, the millionaire lifestyle is one way to say it. Um, it's not I, about the bling? <laughs> not necessarily. I think a lot of times we associate you know, a millionaire with someone who has a high income and also is a very heavy spender. So they have the fancy cars and the fancy house. And reading this book, you'd probably be surprised to learn that that's not necessarily the case. Um, you very well might have a millionaire living right next door to you. And that's kind of where the title came from, right? You know, it's the, yeah. the millionaire next door. So maybe talk about that a little bit, because I know he goes into some detail talking about what that really means. Yeah. So the book, um, it looks at a lot of households, millionaire households. I think the study looked at about 3,000 of them. And so really it looks into finding the common denominators among these households and what they've done to create like this successful wealth story. Um, and so, like I said, not necessarily all of these people are heavy spenders um, and they may not look like the stereotypical millionaire that a lot of people probably imagine. Um, and so the book details about seven factors that they found in common among these people who are successful at building wealth. And I won't go into the, all of the seven factors here, but I just thought I'd share the top three, um, which was one, living below your means. Two, they tend to strive for financial independence rather than aiming for a high social status and appearance. And then the so, third one. I, I, oh, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Before we get to the third one, just what is financial independence? Like, what does that what does that mean? So having a financial independence, these people don't have a lot of debt. Um, they're working to build up their net worth. So they have investments um, in addition to like their 401ks and retirement plans. And also one of the key themes of the book is related to kind of generational wealth sharing. So these people, by having financial independence, they're not necessarily relying on gifts from family um, and also kind of moving that forward in the generation. So not necessarily providing large financial, financial gifts for their children as well and helping their children become financially independent. Wonderful. I love that. And we'll get to the third one in a minute. I just wanted to oh, yeah. key in on that phrase just because it's a phrase we use with our clients, right? Well, we'll talk about financial independence, meaning maybe you're working because you want to, but not because you have to mm -hmm. anymore. You don't need somebody else's money. You're not trading your resources for money to put food on the table anymore. Right. Exactly. All right. And so I cut you off. What was the third one that you wanted oh, to no, talk about? No, that's okay. Um, the third one was they allocate their time, money, and energy in ways that are conducive to building wealth. Um, so I think, again, that goes along the lines of, you know, they're investing their money, but they're also, a lot of these people are entrepreneurs, um, which isn't necessarily the key to becoming a millionaire. Um, but a lot of the like jobs that they have, they're very wise about allocating their resources in ways that are going to kind of help them build wealth. Wonderful. So we'll save those four other factors for folks. We can't give away everything, right? So right. we'll put links to both of these books in our show notes for folks who want to buy the book. But I'm curious, Megan, um, was there a favorite part or something that resonated most to you in The Millionaire Next Door? Yeah, I think my favorite part 
um, to start with is just kind of the surprise factor um, because it's not what you think when you think of a millionaire. And especially for people who maybe don't work in the finance industry, um, I think the book will be full of surprises for them. And then also it's a very readable book. Um, So they have a lot of the case studies that they've included and also a lot of snippets of conversations that the authors had with um, the millionaire participants in the book. And I I really enjoyed reading the case studies in these conversations that they shared. Um, It adds a lot of color and it makes it a lot more relatable. I love that. Many quibbles, criticisms, things that you found lacking or wanting? Um, So I think my main criticism, this is not a fault of the book in any way, but it was written in the 90s. So a little bit of the data um, might seem a bit out of date. And just in case you wanted to get a more updated version, um, Thomas Stanley and his daughter actually have worked on a continuation of this book, sort of a sequel, if you will, um, that was published in 2018. So this does have some more recent data if you wanted to read the second copy, um, which is called The Next Millionaire Next Door. I mean, I'm looking forward to jumping back in the time machine and going back to the 90s. Um, Things were very different back then. But it's also good that, you know, you update these things so that it's not just one snapshot in time because some of these characteristics probably endure no matter which decade we're in. Right. I haven't read the second book. It's on my list now. Um, But I think it, I think that it does have some of the same themes as the first one did. Um, So it'll be interesting to read both of them. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Megan, Austin, thank you both for your entries to the Woodward Financial Advisors Book Club. For folks who want to check out the first episode, you can go back one episode and see what uh, Ronnie and Joe at our firm talked about. You can always email us. Uh, the email address is podcast at woodwardadvisors.com. You can check out our website, woodwardadvisors.com. Uh, Austin, Megan, and I are all active on Twitter. So our handles are at WFA underscore and then our name. So that's at WFA underscore Austin, Ben, Megan. We always appreciate everybody listening. If you're listening to us on the iTunes, Apple Network, please give us a review, give us a rating so that other folks can find us and learn all about the amazing books that we think are great, as well as the other financial planning tips that we talked about in previous episodes. Austin, Megan, thanks again for joining us, and we'll see everybody next time. Thanks for having us. Thank you.